My name is Joe. I'm a sinner saved by grace and an elder here at North Shore Church. I have the privilege of reading the scripture this morning, and then we'll pray. If you have your Bible or would like to follow, we're looking at Psalm 145 through all verses. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all those bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who can call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cries and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Let us go to prayer. Our Father God in heaven, as we come to you this morning, we pray that during this time that you have opened up the doors of this church. We pray that everything that is done here will bring glory to you. And we pray, Father, to you this morning, you are the only true God. You have given us the Lord Jesus Christ and our salvation. Father, you have also given us the Holy Spirit to reveal truth. And when we hear your word, Lord, we know the Holy Spirit will reveal the truth in that, and we look to him. We praise you and honor you with humble hearts. We bow before you, Lord, because we are not really worthy to look upon your face. But we pray, Father, for your goodness, as we've read already in the Psalms. We know you love us, and hear our prayers, and we praise you for that. We ask that you will forgive us of our sins, and that is a blessing that you give us, Lord. Praise you for that. 
Help us too, Lord, <clears throat> in our unbelief. When we have unbelief, Lord, we pray the Holy Spirit will act upon it. We thank you for North Shore Church and your protection of the fellowship here. Bless the teachers and the helpers who care for our children, attending Roots and the Gospel Project. Encourage our leaders of the youth. Thank you for growing our women's and men's ministries. Lord, you are the creator, and we ask for your touch of healing for those who have received surgery and those who are contemplating an answer from the doctor difficult times. We thank you for blessing and of answered prayer and healings. And Father, we come to you now, Lord, asking that all these things bring glory to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Good morning again. Um, let me just start with a word of prayer also. Our Lord, our God, we thank you for this morning that we've had so far. And I ask that as I deliver your words, your message, that you would just work within me and the hearts of those hearing it, that they would know that these are words you want spoken. These are words to give us life, abundant life, and God, if I would say anything that is against you, please strike it. Prevent me from saying it. And I ask for these things through your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Today's message, worship. Who, why, and how. I've noticed that the message usually has three parts. Not sure why. Um, I'm going to keep with that tradition, mostly sort of possibly, and I'm probably a bit scattered, but there will be three points to my message. And also, as we're starting, let me tell you of some of the advice that Pastor Duncan gave us elders when he first brought up the idea that the elders would be preaching in our church. He said it is best to give a message on a topic or a verse that has some challenges to us personally. That way you might need to lean into God for understanding, inspiration, and that it also would be beneficial for us personally. So with those instructions, I will say that I have been an example of all of the scenarios that I will be talking about this morning. I thought a definition of worship would be the logical place to start, so I began looking for one. Well, that was actually not a very easy task. And in such, I have four definitions and a summary statement to offer, all to try to explain worship. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word translated into worship most often is shakah, meaning to depress or prostrate oneself. We do know that as a form of worship, but that's not today's focus. And then into the New Testament, there are three Greek words, that are also translated worship in our English language. Proskeneho, to fawn or to crouch to, to homage, do reverence to, to adore, worship. Second word, sebonahi, to reverence or hold in awe. And a third word, 
Latruo, to render a religious service of homage. And then finally, in our English language, the word worship literally means to, descri- to ascribe worth to something. To sum up all these definitions still does not get us to the discussion that I want us to have this morning on worship. So I found a quote by Robert Gibson Rayburn. Worship is the activity of the new life of a believer in which recognizing the fullness of the Godhead as it is revealed in the presence of Jesus Christ and his mighty redemptive acts, he seeks by the power of the Holy Spirit to render to the living God the glory, honor, and submission which are his due. And I would also point out that according to the handout you received this morning as of 10 a.m., you are all in a worship service. So that also applies. So when someone asked you about your plans for Sunday morning, how did you answer them? Did you say church or service or worship service? I think these responses need a little attention as they are probably more telling than we think. The easiest answer we might give is church. Church, as I grew up, meant a building with a cross outside, stained glass windows. It had statues. It was a place I visited Sunday mornings. And you should be dressed nicely also to go there. I will not go on, but it is evident what I am describing in my youth was a building and a dress code. The world knew what I meant when I said church, and they would answer sometimes, okay, well, that's not for me. Or, I experience God in nature, and I don't need to go to church. Or if this person asking for my Sunday plans was possibly even more bold, he might say, dressing up was a show, and that did not make anyone a better person. I did not argue with anyone, but stood with my answer. I was raised that Sunday mornings were for church. And as an early 20-something, that was what I knew. I had not yet accepted Christ as my Savior and was really just doing religion, acting a certain way, trying to convince God that I was a good person and he should let me in. I would not and could not have answered any of these other individual statements with, I am going to a worship service. Now let's get to the first of our three points. Who? Who is doing this worshiping at this worship service we are in this morning? A couple verses from this morning's scripture. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. And verse 18 through 20. The Lord is near to all who call on him, To all who call on him in truth, he fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him. I would have to say that a worshiper must know this God and King. That is not just to know their name and their title, but personally to have a relationship with God. That is what I did not have when I spoke about church. It was not possible for me to really have answered any differently to what I would be doing Sunday morning. Verse 1 said, I will extol you, my God and King. We need to see this verse as personal to each and every one of us. As we read, my God and King, it is there to help us remember that our God is a personal God, a being unlike any other, infinite, 
powerful and able to exist even outside of time as we know it. Yet he provided a way that we could be adopted as sons and daughters of his. We celebrated this last Sunday with Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, a remembrance of God's own Son paying for our sins so that we could have an eternity with him. As John said in chapter 1, verse 12 through 13, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave his right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In last Sunday's message, we highlighted Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, I believe the first worshipers of the risen Christ. Their response to seeing Jesus is recorded in Matthew 28, verse 9. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. This was their response. Not coached, not rehearsed. They were not told they have to bow down. As they came into the presence of the risen Christ, this was a natural occurrence to those two women. So again, I'm trying to answer the who of who should worship. But it's more of a who can worship question. The answer being only someone with a personal relationship with our risen Lord. The next logical question is why? So let's look heavily to Scripture for this answer. In our psalm this morning, verse 5, On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your words I will meditate. Verse 8, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Verse 16, you open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. And verses 19 through 20, he fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. This God that we worship deserves the first of our attentions. These verses specifically show that God provides for us. They state that he is gracious and merciful, abounding in steadfast love. You satisfy the desires of every living thing. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry. This is indeed a description of God worthy to be worshipped and of a loving and caring God one who knows our human heart so well. After all, he did create us. And he knew very well that we would need help. So he sent the helper, the Holy Spirit. In John's Gospel, he records Jesus' own words telling his disciples about the Holy Spirit. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Did you catch the Holy Spirit's job? To bring glory to God. He does this in part by helping us to understand God. The Spirit lives inside of each and every follower of Christ. I cannot explain this, but I know this to be true, as true as any other thing in this world. With the Spirit helping us, we can begin to grasp the Bible. 
With the Spirit's help, we can be prompted to follow the path that God has laid out for us. With the Spirit's help, we can begin to realize just how small we are compared to our great God. The Spirit shows us truth, and our hearts of stone are removed when accepting Christ and replaced with a heart of flesh, a heart that can love God. The Spirit works to help us to know this God. By knowing God more each day and through every event happening day to day, in our lives we will undoubtedly be drawn naturally to a worshiping of our God. You cannot help to react but the way the Marys did. We do not have the physical presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in front of us as they did, but we have the New Testament. We have the indwelling Spirit. We have fellow believers to come around us, to guide us into worship. Our hearts ache to give honor and glory to God. Brothers and sisters, if what I am saying to you is foreign, if it does not resemble anything that you have in your life, consider that you may be missing the very thing that enables this response, the presence of the Holy Spirit in your heart. I'm not talking about the knowledge of the Holy Spirit is, who God is, who Jesus is. I had all these answers in my early 20s before I was saved and made new. I knew these facts, and I believed them to be true facts. I had spent all of my life in church Sunday morning hearing about who God was, hearing about his son, hearing about the cross, but I had never given God a place in my heart. He was only present in my mind, and I was not a worshiper. Then in my mid-20s, I realized that the people around me, and I literally mean the people around me, because I was in a worship service through my fiancé at the time, had brought me there. I became aware that those people around me, from their hearts, were worshiping God and that I could not. I knew I was missing something. And as God is in control and had me right where I needed to be, the next words in the service went something very much like this. If you want a relationship <clears throat> sorry, with the one true God, you know you are a sinner and want forgiveness, ask Jesus into your heart today. So I did. My hard heart was removed that moment, and a new one was installed. Worship was not only possible, but it was an action that was like a reflex. As we grow more in Christ, the worship of God to bring glory to God and to thank him for all he has done and is doing, this is where we find great joy. Let's take a moment and let this last portion sink in a bit. Just a moment, let's say 30 seconds. Let's close our eyes and thank God. Thank him yourself for the relationship that you have and listen to the Spirit as you are prompted.
I thank you, God, for adopting me as your son. Now, let's move on to the how of worship. Let's begin with Jesus' words spoken to the Pharisees as an example of what will not work. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Very easily we can see the relationship of the heart to worship. All the actions, the speech, or possibly even the songs from their lips were all in vain and of no use without the heart. Their worship, according to Jesus, is worthless. Now let's quickly go to the positive position from Hebrews 13, 15 through 16. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Here we are instructed the fruit of the lips, speech and singing, and also not neglecting to do good and share what you have. These are actions that we should take. So applying this scripture to our question of how, practically speaking, well, there is no master list. There are no actions that we can take and check off the boxes and give ourselves a grade that we are acceptable worshipers or maybe need a bit more. There is only one hard and fast rule to use as a guide. It must originate from our heart to serve God for God's glory. I would say that seems like quite a leap. But then, as we might ponder this statement, we will recall that we are to be living sacrifices. Romans 12.1 I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, there might be another scenario where we find it hard to worship. This usually comes to light sometime after you have accepted Christ into your heart. That would be if you have put yourself back onto the throne of your life, basically taken the place where God is to be and installed yourself again as ruler making decisions based on what makes me happy. You serve yourself. You call it pride, selfishness, idol worship, any action that puts you at the center where God belongs. These sinful moves are the result of our living and breathing flesh, the desires of the flesh that we need to battle against every single day until we are taken from this earth. If allowed to flourish and grow, they will push aside our worship of God. Satan will attack and accuse us. He'll make us feel less than we can be. He is a liar and a thief, trying to take from us our joy. But he can only accomplish what we allow. If we know our God, we should know that we have already won this battle. The truth is we are victorious. This is great news. And you already have probably guessed this news. Seek forgiveness and accept that forgiveness. Humble yourselves once again. Kick yourselves out of the driver's seat and put God back where he belongs and worship as he designed us to. This will bring God the glory and we will begin living again with a light heart, full of joy and radiating his presence to the world. 
If you're struggling with keeping Jesus at the center of your heart, know that you are not alone. Scripture describes this as a race. This is a marathon, not a sprint. We need to train for it and continuing to be equipped. This is, in part, what we are doing here this morning, being reminded of the greatness of our God and being drawn again back into a close relationship with him. So in conclusion, as we work at our job, take care of our houses, visit with our friends or neighbors, the living of everyday life, as we meet together in small groups or in Sunday morning worship, as we sing praises to our God alone in the car at our full voice, not caring who's listening, or with a hundred others as we did this morning already, we should be motivated by our heart, rightly knowing our God in relationship with him. This will cause worship that springs forth from us from us, and brings glory to him. If any of this message has touched you in some way, for either praise or for prayer, please do not leave this morning. The elders will be up front after the service, and we would love to talk to you. And now, may God give us all the grace to know the resurrected Christ, to worship him, and rejoice in truth. Amen. Amen. What a great message.